episode four. I'm Chives alongside Steve. Steve, take it away. Listen, Chives, it's good to be here with you, like always. Today, we got a really interesting topic on the docket. We're going to be breaking down one of the most, I guess I would say, disappointing teams. Disappointing slash surprising teams of the NHL season so far. So listen, I wonder who that will be. We'll find out later. So let's talk puck. Some news, quick news. They updated the COVID testing around the league, so they will not be testing asymptomatic players. That's been a problem uh, for the last month or so with the Omicron spike around the NHL. Teams were dropping like flies. Players were dropping off the rosters like flies. Uh, They started a taxi squad again. They updated that. I think that's good because they're asymptomatic. They have to just move on from that. That's my take on it. That's my opinion. But then again, there's the world today is so... There's so much control between the CDC and the government and the league itself and the, the teams, the, the cities the teams play in, the two different countries with Canada and the United States. There's a lot of crossover with the rulings and regulations, but I'm happy to see that we're going to be able to see night in, and night in and night out more complete rosters and players on the ice. So Exactly. You hit the hammer on the nail right here with this point. Listen, the league's following the footsteps of, of the NFL and the NBA. By following this, I think this is the right move for the league. This will ultimately ultimately lead to, like you said, less players landing on the COVID-19 protocols because not everyone is going to be tested. This means that teams are going to have their full potential and full lineups night in, night out. I think this is great for the NHL. As you said, the NHL always follows suit with what the NBA and NFL does. As soon as the NFL made their regulation changes heading into the playoffs, I knew the NHL was going to follow suit in some respect. So what's also good is because of that, they finally updated the regular season rosters, uh, sorry, not regular season rosters, the schedules for all 32 teams. Those team, Every team in the NHL has had postponements, and those games have finally been updated. So what would have been the Olympic break? Teams are playing games then, which is going to be exciting because it won't be just this long break. We have the All-Star break coming up, but it won't be these long breaks of time where there's no NHL action and the players have to stop and start. They'll be ready to go. They'll be ready to play, and they'll have games to play. Very exciting. Very exciting. Like you said, we knew this was coming, too. We knew ever since that the Winter uh, Olympics, the NHL players were not going to be representing in it. We knew that postponement for games was imminent, that this was coming. Now listen, some teams like the the Ottawa Senators and, and the Hurricanes and the Jets, the Maple Leafs, I saw that some of these teams are going to be playing 9, 10, 11 games over the span of those two weeks because those are some of the teams that were really hit the hardest earlier in the year with COVID. So, I mean, I think it's great that every team is going to be finishing the season. As of right now, hopefully, this is given that, you know, COVID doesn't pick up. But as of right now, to see that all these teams on the docket are going to be finishing on time, I think it's great to see. I think it's great to see. And listen, it's unfortunate, you know, the league the league has to do what's best for the league. You know, it kind of does suck. I mean, there's some, there's some really good players that are on some bad teams that, you know, this was going to be their Stanley Cup for this year. And I listen, that really does sting chives. But, I mean, we got to do what's best for the NHL. And we have to do, we have to take the best precautions to ensure that this season is going to finish on time and we're going to have playoffs and a Stanley Cup. So, listen, I think this was the right move. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, having uh, some teams like the, the Rangers are going to have a really short schedule within two weeks. And some teams like the, the Senators and Hurricanes are going to be playing four games a week during this break. Those Canadian teams were hit very hard. And it was also because of, you know, the way the government in Canada right now is operating is different than the United States of America. 
And state-by-state state rulings are very different as well. A team like the Nashville Predators, uh, they have not faced any real consequences from COVID, whereas teams in more populated regions like the metropolitan area have been, West Coast have been, because of the rules and regulations of COVID. Before we get to the Oilers, I did think you mentioned an interesting point that they want a playoff and they want a Stanley Cup. Fun fact for anyone who cares about fun facts or factoids, the Stanley Cup does not have to be awarded every year. So I do think that's interesting uh, that the last season, if things really went wrong, they did not have to award the Stanley Cup. I do think that is interesting that if things really went south, which I do not think they will at this point, but if things really went south, they did not have to award it in, in that bubble season. You know, we saw the, during the bubble in 2020, they didn't have to award it. So alas, the great oil spill of 2021-2022, the Edmonton Oilers season dramatics came to a head when Jim Matheson, who is a Hall of Fame reporter, asked star Leon Dreisaitl why he was quote-unquote being so pissy. We'll play the clip here real quick for you. Reasons for why the Oilers are playing the way they are in terms of winning and losing. What do you think is the number one reason for the losses now? Is there, is there one thing that you, in your own mind you're saying, we got to get better at that? Yeah, we, ha we have to get better at everything. Would you like to expand on that? No. Nope. You can do that. You know everything. Why are you so pissy, Leon? Hmm? Why are you so pissy? I'm not. I'm just I answering your question. Yeah, you are. Whenever I ask you a question. I gave you an answer. Not very good one. Okay. I have one more for you. Leon, you show your frustration on the ice. Last game against Ottawa. Is that a good thing when you show it so the other team knows you're frustrated? Yeah, it's a great thing, for sure. Good. Yeah. All right, Steve, what's your take on this whole situation? <laughs> well, you just heard it. Listen, when I first saw this, I thought this was hilarious. You know, is Dressidal wrong? No, he's really not. This Oilers team, I mean... They're just finding ways to lose, and I get it. It's really frustrating. This was not the way we envisioned their season coming. I mean, it's really not. When you look at it, they have lost the last 12 games out of their last 14 games. I mean, it doesn't get any more frustrating than that. They lost to a team, the Ottawa Senators. They had a horrible loss to them the other night. I, I personally have a few. There's angles here. There's different angles. There's different levels you can really go down deep into. You can really nitpick, but... Let's be for real, me and Steve are sitting here, Chives and Steve are sitting here. We're a third source that you're hearing this from. There was the actual incident and the people that were involved with the incident. There was the media, the secondary, the hockey guy, if you follow him on YouTube, he calls it media-ish. And I know that's a popular term with YouTube especially because they aren't the actual media employees or employees that work for covering the Edmonton Oilers and don't interview the players and don't work on the news broadcast. But they're reporting it. So there are these blogs, just like us, that are reporting on what's going on and having their takes. We're a third source for you. We know that as you're listening to us right now, we're a third source. But looking at all the different aspects, I think the best thing we can do is just kind of help illustrate the picture and have share our opinion on it. Jim Matheson's a Hall of Fame reporter. Leon Dreisaitl is second in the National Hockey League in points with 54 to Alex Ovechkin with 55. And his teammate, the best player in the world, no doubt, Connor McDavid with 53 points, one point behind Dreisaitl. Since episode one of Puck Talk, since we've returned for season four and with our big return, the Oilers 
have dropped from fourth in the Pacific Division to seventh in the, in the Pacific Division. And we have brought them up. This conversation has been boiling up the last four episodes. We've brought them up time and time again about what's going on, what's going on. Well, with this situation, I think this soap opera event occurred because Jim Matheson did something that is very rare. You never, you know, as I, I have never seen this before in my lifetime, in my short lifetime covering sports, but with people who are older, parents, news sources, the media telling us that it, you know, this is something that doesn't commonly happen. I think it's interesting because that really means it was an outlier of a situation. This isn't something that's happened before. We're talking about a journalist who's, who covered the Oilers great teams with Mark Messier, Wayne Gretzky, and now he's covering the, interacting with the two best players in the world currently. So the angle though of the reporter, which I do want to mention because I think we, I think it's, established that Dreisaitl had every right to give the res give that response. He's only he only has to respond to the media the way he sees and he does not he did not want to give a question to leading questions. Jim Matheson was asking leading questions. He wants to write that Leon Dreisaitl is frustrated with what's going on. So he was asking questions to try and bait him into that, right? 100%. <clears throat> but I want to take a look from Matheson's angle as a journalist. I think he does lose a little bit of integrity with what he'd said, but I drew, I've driven up the last few weeks to Quinnipiac. It's a little bit of a hike to cover that college hockey team. And it's very fun interacting with a team that's number one in the nation. It's very fun to interact with the players in the post game and ask coach Rand Pecknell questions after the game. Uh, and to cover the team, it's exciting when the team's succeeding. But you're, you're not a part of the team. Of course, you're not a part of the team. You're covering the team, but as a journalist, I'm sure it is frustrating coming to work every day and you're asking a player time and time again what they think is going wrong and the player is really not giving you any answer at all or any indication as to what's going on. 100%. I think that Madison really wanted more and I think Dresidal really said it best. I think he said we have to get better at simply everything. When you take a look at this, you mentioned this before. Edmonton got off to a really hot start of the season. They were, they were number one all the way to the top of the division, top of the conference. They started off, I believe they were 16-5. And listen, they have gone 2-10-2 since December 16th. Now listen, when you, we're looking today at January 20th. This is over a month and they're still struggling what is the issue here this is this is really an interesting question and you see you could tell it on on Dresidal's face that you know I think he said it best you have to get better at everything yeah there really is nothing because the Oilers are simply a soap opera right now I mean it's 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 really sad and disappointing where do we look for answers here now Chavez where do we look for answers depth and goaltending I know you had spoken pre-show about goaltending a little bit more than I did. I think it really boils down to some of the depth issues they've had. And I don't know if it's depth uh, as much as it's how the depth was clicking in the beginning of the season versus how it's clicking now. I think it is quite frustrating to observe a team that I personally believe that this was a year that they could really go somewhere with this rock, you know, with two of the best players in the world, which I think... The McDavid and Dreisaitl trade rumors, uh, I you know I don't think they're really rumors. I think it's a hypothetical where you say, is it out of the question that Connor McDavid could be traded? I don't think you should view any player as untradeable because even Wayne Gretzky was at one time. He was the best player in the world at the time that he played. Best player of all time. Now that's an arguable statement, I think, today still, but he is the greatest player of all time. That's 
world-renowned. Do they get traded? No, I don't think, because you look at the way Jack Eichel's situation was, and that was a reason, I, I think he had enough credible reasons that he was looking for to be traded, whereas these are two players that are here, they're with Edmonton, they're clearly putting up monster numbers for the team, I think they're playing with heart, I think they're trying to do their best in leadership roles, but it does come from depth. If Dreisaitl and McDavid aren't playing to their bestest, bestest ability, who's picking up the slack? Mm -hmm. The only thing I'm frustrated with is that there was no I rarely saw a devil's advocate that said that depth was an issue when they were succeeding this season. I'm not saying past season, I'm saying this season. I did not read articles or hear anything on the news or in podcasts or within the media or on roundtables about... The Edmonton Oilers, you know, I, I didn't hear titles that said or, or statements that said the Oilers are struggling with depth. The depth was clicking. I think that's why right now we, you know, I'm sure stat miners can tell you all about how Warren Fogel's playing and how Poole Yarby's playing and how COVID's affected them. But at the end of the day, their best players are playing to the best of their ability. I think the depth needs to come in a little bit more, but... I don't know. This is a tough call. Goaltending's been an issue. There was some drama with that as well with reports out of Finland with Koskinen um, with saying some interesting things to the newspapers in Finland about the coach and Tippett. And Ken Holland had a, a conference with the media that was about an hour long, about a week and a half ago. So it, it, what, what do you think the issue, issue is? Well, I think it's interesting uh, you just brought up Tippett. Now, listen, I don't think that... I would agree with you. I don't think necessarily the answer is in a trade here. I think uh, McDavid and Josiah are two of the best players in the league. They're, they're definitely not going anywhere. So I really think that Dave Tippett here is on the hot seat. Now listen, we've seen this in the past. Oilers general manager Ken Holland has never fired a coach midseason. Even in his, his entire Hall of Fame career, he's never done it. So, But I think the temperature and the pressure to do something, to shake things up really continues after every single loss. I mean, the loss they had the other night against the Ottawa Senators is horrible. So I really think... <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's no there's no way else to say it. So I really think that Tippett is on the hot seat here. I really think... Now, again, like I just mentioned, you know, Holland doesn't really like to get rid of a coach midseason. But, I mean, with every single loss here, the pressure is through the roof here, and Tippett's really on the hot seat. I think if you even have to raise the question that McDavid or Drysaddle would be uninterested in competing for the Oilers, I think you're in hot water, right? Uh, anytime you're seeing a stop, the best player in the world, being, you know, people are questioning if he should be traded. Now, we're talking pedestrian. We're talking comment sections on posts. We're talking blogs. We're talking... The fact that conversations brought up is a little bit disappointing. I think the whole oil spill, I like calling it that, the oil spill of 2021-2022 has been a little bit, you know... To say the least, they sh it's almost like they give it, then they take it away. So, Steve, in terms of the Oilers, what do you think they do moving forward? Uh, obviously, we're just a third source here, uh, but what do you think they try and do moving forward? Well, listen, like I just mentioned, their number one problem is their goaltending. Now, this is a big issue that they really need to a answer because they really haven't received any adequate goaltending this year. You look at Mike Smith. He really has not been able to stay on the ice. Now, given he is 39 years old, 
So, I mean, he's not a long-term solution here. He really is not. He's had the leg injury. He was on the COVID protocols. Now he's got a thumb injury. When you're that old, I mean, you're just not going to be able to stay on the ice. Given uh, the chance to come in and play night in and night out, it's just not going to happen. Now, you mentioned Koiskinen. He's underperforming as well. He he really is not able to handle a, a heavy work workload. Uh, workload. And when you take a look at the other rookie they have there, Stuart Skinner, he's just really trying to find his way. I mean, the other night was uh, atrocious against the Senators. And their goaltending overall between these three guys, I don't see a long-term solution into in, into this uh, scenario here. Now, listen, I don't think this, uh, this problem is going to be addressed this season. No. Moving forward, I mean... Are the Oilers going to be in playoff cont- uh, contention? That is going to uh, that remains to be seen. Listen, they have a lot of turnaround. They have the pieces, but I mean their goaltending is going to really need to step up. And I don't know if any one of those three pieces that I mentioned are going to be into the solution. That's just this year in playoff contention. Let's look long term. I don't think any one of these three guys is really adequate enough to really sustain uh, you know the, the the franchise moving forward. Now I saw an interesting stat to bring up here that the Oilers have given up the first goal in 22 of their past 26 games. Now in 15 of those games they've given up the first two or three goals. Which listen, this is a big problem. If you're jumping out, if you're ending the first period and you're going down, if you're down three nothing or three one, that's a big jump and that's a big workload on your top dogs. Which also you mentioned depth. These top dogs, listen, McDavid and Dreisaitl. I mean, they are continuing to rely on them way too much, especially when this team is going down three, four goals. I mean, these goaltenders are really struggling. Goaltending is going to be something that they need to fix, whether it's through the draft. They need an answer. They need an answer that's a a goaltending prospect that can come in and be NHL ready. They need an NHL ready prospect that's young that can grow. It's going to take a little bit of time, like you said. What's interests me the most is we're looking. I don't want to look too far into the past because we could always do that. But today's a new day. Frederick Anderson, Peter Mrazek, they had Cam Talbot at one point. These are goaltenders that were on the goaltending carousel. Every few summers we see goaltenders move. And this last this last offseason in 2021, the summer of 2021, had a lot of goaltending movement. Where there were a lot of goaltenders available. And they decided to stick with Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen. So at the end of the day, you could blame decisions on one guy, the other guy. It's the product on the ice. And the product on the ice is from the coaching and the coaching is decided in part with the management. I do think it may not even be goaltending itself as it's the goaltending coaching, the goaltending department. We see Florida right now. They enlisted Roberto Luongo to almost make like this school of goaltending within their franchise, like a, a program that's focused on just the goaltenders for Bobrovsky and for Spencer Knight. And you're seeing that they've succeeded uh, in turning things around a little bit. Bobrovsky had a he signed that contract. It's a phenomenal year this yeah, year. He's having a great year. Spencer Knight having a pretty good year. I'm not saying their goaltenders are the best in the league, but they shored that up and now Florida's scoring, so their goaltending's doing enough to keep them in games. And I think that's what Edmonton needs. So that's the last point for me. I think there's two sides, the truth, and this is one incident, something many gave uh, many have never heard before in the NHL. And as two rational NHL observers, I think we can only speak through secondary, you know, observation for this discussion. Now listen, now listen, I, I I like that point. It's a good point, but I have a really big question for you. Now listen, you're you're in the hot seat right now for the the Oilers right now. Do you wait for Mike Smith to get back, 
or do you, off injured reserve, or do you wait for Koskinen to rebound after, or you just keep riding him and just see if he can rebound after these really tough losses? What do you do if, if you're in the hot seat right now making these decisions for the Oilers? I think it's tough because when they were when Mike Smith and Koskinen were down and they needed that backup, Stuart Skinner played really well, but for a limited time. I think what's kind of where, where the clock is ticking with Edmonton is they need an answer quickly, and they don't have an answer quickly. Stuart Skinner came in, and I remember he played a three-game stretch where he started all three games in a row, and they won all three games. And you say, okay, maybe he's not the goaltender of the future, but he's stepping in. Like uh, Any great backup in the NHL is going to step in and perform well enough to keep you in games, and that's what he did. But with the three goal, this isn't a three goaltending system that's working. And that's, I think, scary because they need an answer immediately. What I would do, I would say ride Koskinen. Uh, you're going to have to wait till Smith comes off the IR. I mean, you can't, you're not going to play him while he's on the IR. So you're going to have to ride Koskinen. And then I think when Smith comes back, just kind of evaluate who you have more trust in, who you value more. Mm-hmm. And then that's the starter, unless they roll with the tandem and they try and split games. Goaltending is an issue, but there's no silver knight coming in, you know, no golden knight coming in and uh, stepping into the crease for them. So they're going to have to figure something out within within the franchise, within that the walls of their locker room. Yeah, they got to figure out why is this team so soft to play against, and they got to figure it out quickly if they want to turn things around. One last point I want to mention, I think a, a notable point to mention is I really think that the, their penalty kill has been a really big issue. Ellison. Earlier on in the season, I really thought that the Oilers goaltenders were doing a great job of bailing out their, their skater group out in the front. But listen, they've stuck with three common forward groups and two defensive pairings in this penalty kill. Now, when you take a, a situation where their goaltending, their goaltending is struggling now, then listen, this penalty kill has to step up and do more, and it has not been. So listen, Eli Gold, uh, elite goaltenders will bail you out, but like we just mentioned, the Oilers have none. So this penalty kill really has to step up. And the best teams in the league that we've seen, we last episode, if you want to check that out, listen to episode uh, episode three, season four, we talked about how the best teams, the, the teams that are rising right now, most of their penalty kills improve. Vancouver, New York, LA, and Pittsburgh. All of their penalty kills have tr- risen tremendously in the last few weeks, and that's what's given way for them to succeed. So when we talk about Edmonton's penalty kill, it shouldn't be overlooked that when you're killing off power plays, this is part of the reason why they're, they're in these holes that are 2 nothing. They If the, someone takes a penalty in Edmonton, for, or for Edmonton, and they go to the box, and if they're already losing one nothing, and they give up another power play goal, well, now they're down 2 nothing. Now they're down 3 nothing early. Well, that's harder to crawl out of than if your penalty kill succeeds and it's still a one-goal game. Alas, I think we tied the bow on that conversation. Uh, I'm sure Edmonton will come up at some point this season again in conversation. But we wanted to move and preview our game of the week. We chose an interesting matchup with Ryan Reeves scoring two goals last night and the Rangers beating a contender in the Maple Leafs, and with the Carolina Hurricanes being one of the best teams in the league in a metropolitan division that's shaping up to be one of the, if not the best division in the league, it's definitely right there with the Central Division. Rangers versus Hurricanes, they play tomorrow night. We figured this would be a better matchup. If if this was earlier in the season, we would have chosen the Panthers-Edmonton game, but this entire episode we've explained why Edmonton would not be in a game of the week right now, even though the Panthers are the best. They're playing the Panthers tonight. Listen, that's a tough matchup tonight for them. But listen, Puck Talk Game of the Week. Rangers, Hurricanes, the Canes just got slabbing back. The Rangers have their whole full lineup coming back. Who you got, Chives? 
Honestly, I have the Hurricanes because, one, former Rangers always seem to do well against the Rangers, but I think the Hurricanes had their number in the bubble, which I know was a few seasons back. Uh, even though the Rangers are rolling right now, they beat a team like the Leafs. They got some depth scoring. Their fourth line played great. They were able to shut down some of the top talent and come back in a comeback win at home. I think it's going to be tough to go on the road again. They've been on the road a lot this season, and I think the Hurricanes this season, I think they've shown that they can beat contending teams better than the Rangers have thus far. Uh, I don't think the Rangers are too far behind them, but if the Rangers do end up winning, I think respect around the league will be gained because they will have beaten one of the best teams in the league. They have beaten some top teams. They've competed well against top teams, but they haven't had the exposure that the Hurricanes have to better uh, better contending teams. And I think players like Svechnikov can take over a game. He dismantled them in the bubble. We'll see what happens. I'm excited for this game, one of the better games in the Metro this week. It feels like the Metro in the Central like Division is the top. Yeah, it feels, it feels like when you watch a Blues... Uh, Wild or Avs game, or you watch one of the top three in the Metro, it feels like a playoff game. Who do, who do you have? Interesting. I'm actually going to go the opposite route here, and I'm going to say I think that the Rangers are going to have this one. Um, listen, despite the slow start to last night's game, I mentioned this in last night, uh, it, excuse me, in, in uh, last uh, week's episode, the Rangers are resilient. I said that they are resilient, and that is why I put them in, uh, as number, in the number two spot in my power rankings. Now listen, they are resilient, and you saw that last night. Listen, they were able to claw their way and climb back into that game last night and take it. They blew the doors off and finished out Toronto. So I really think the Rangers, after last night's game, improved a lot. It gave them a lot of confidence, and they really set themselves as a top contender up. Like you just mentioned, in this division, these two teams are going at it in a conference. This is going to be a really good clash tomorrow night. I'm going to say the New York Rangers on this one. I think Shesterkin has played really well recently, and I just think that the Rangers uh, have done a really good job of getting all these pieces back. And now listen, like I said in the, in the, last, uh, the last episode that we did, episode 3, when they get all of these pieces back together and they're 100% healthy, they're going to be a force in this conference. You know, I do think that is a good and valuable point that when you have confidence, they beat the Maple Leafs last night, they're going on the road to play Carolina, they feel that they're a contender. There's no question about that now. You know, it's not, uh, I don't think they see defeating bigger, uh, bigger opponents as an outlier. They see it as just another game. So this matchup's really a huge one. It's the first time these teams are playing since that bubble matchup in 2020. So we'll see what happens. Chives and Steve on two different sides of the aisle for this one. We'll see who prevails. If it's anything like uh, the daily predictions that we're doing, which you can check out on our daily predictions tab, you might take it because I've been doing really bad these last few nights with predictions, but we'll see. <laughs> you know, it has been a little bit of a rough season for both of us overall. Yes, you know? tough start to season four, but listen, we still got a long season ahead of us, and to really cap off that Rangers point, I really think there's... Their confidence, they're riding sky high right now, but there's nothing you know more than coming in and beating the other top dog in the conference on the road. Yeah. So listen, if the Rangers can take this, I think they'll be set moving forward. Well, I think it's time to shamelessly plug ourselves of everything. So please check the About Us page that we put up. That's actually gotten a lot of traction uh, from the, uh, from our Jetpack site stats. We've seen that a lot of viewers have looked at the About Us. They've looked around the website, which is nice. So please continue to do that. Uh, a lot of subscribers have been tuning in. Uh, the subscription emails have really helped bring uh, the the 
our fan base back and our views back. So thank you for everyone who subscribed. Please subscribe if you haven't on our website, PuckTalkCS.com. Vice versa, if you're on uh, if you're on our website and listening through our website, please check us out on Spotify. Give us a rating on Spotify. We're also on Apple Music. So we're on streaming services. We have the website. Articles will be coming soon, but also follow our Instagram and Twitter. Those we put a lot out. We put out episode notifications on Instagram. We've been putting up posts about the episodes where we talk about in the episodes and content on there. We've gotten a lot of followers since we started that page as well, which I'm pleased about. Steve and I are pleased about, so please check out. The About Us, our website. Subscribe to the website via email. That you'll get the episode once it comes out. Stream us on Spotify. Stream us on Apple. Follow our Twitter, our Instagram. Steve, take it away. Well, Chives, as you guys know, we, Chives and I, run through a lot of things. We run through a lot of opinions here, a lot of predictions here. If you agree with us, we want to know. If you disagree with us, we also want to know. Please email us any questions you have, any comments you have at pucktalkcs at gmail.com. And always remember, it's just the luck of the puck.